we do an audio recording and we have the live stream and this audio goes on our church's website but uh, we're finishing the last few chapters of Jeremiah we started in January of 21 and uh, really chapters 50 and 51 are about the destruction of Babylon and at the end I hope we can have just a little discussion I want you to think about this maybe while we're talking today why God destroyed Babylon because he told Babylon to conquer his people so they kind of did what he told them to do and now he's having them destroyed I want you to kind of think maybe why he would do that Uh, but I think probably the influence of Babylon mystery religion is alive and well still to this day uh, through different religions. But I'm going to put a picture. I heard a guy say this, so I had to look it up. But look at this. uh, Hopefully this works. This is an artist's rendering this is a blank screen. That's an artist rendering of the Tower of Babel. And this is the European Union building today. They they patterned their building off of an artist rendering of Babylon, of the Tower of Babel. And they they try to show it kind of as an unfinished building, just like you remember God confused the language at the Tower of Babel, and they weren't able to finish it. They were trying to build this tower that reached to heaven. And uh, I think the United Nations slogan is this: they're trying to bring the nations of peoples back together. And so, uh, anyway, I just thought that was pretty pretty cool, isn't it? Um, it really fits well with so uh, the ta- the the kingdom of Babel or Babylon as we know it uh, was founded by a man named Nimrod in uh, Genesis chapter two or I'm sorry Genesis chapter ten and of course at the Tower of Babel was kind of their fall so for a few hundred years uh, Babylon was not really in power until you know it was uh, kind of revived under uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and that that's the study where we're at now. And uh, so I'm gonna, I guess I can leave that up there because I need to get my B I B L E out here. So I'll set this down, and hopefully it'll stay up there. But yeah, turn uh, be turning to Jeremiah 51, and then also we're going to look at the book of Revelation. So uh, Jeremiah 51, and if somebody has that, if they would read the first couple of verses for us. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise 
up against Babylon and against them that dwell in the midst of them that rise up against me a destroying wind and will send unto Babylon fanners that shall fan her and shall empty her land for in the day of trouble they shall be against her round about alright so there's a prediction prophecy by Jeremiah that uh, God is going to raise up this destroying wind against Babylon and it's going to happen uh, in the day of trouble and if you will look look at your handout now I, I put a quote at the top of your handout and uh, I, yeah, I'm trying to think of. I know the name Chuck Mitzler, and I had to look him up this morning. Have, has anybody else heard of him? Oh, yeah. He did. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's 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 not the guy you listen to at the gym for. That's him. Okay, that's how I know the name because I listen to some of his videos. What were you gonna say? Well, same thing. Yeah, he helped start that that outfit. But yeah, he's got a lot of good books and kind of famous for prophecy or. He's big in apologetics, like yeah. explaining why hmm. you know, like backing up the Bible with evidence, hmm. historical. Yeah, he's really good. He died a few years ago. Yeah, what I read, he died in eighteen. Yeah. But uh, so this is kind of a, a this pair, this little note at the top of your handouts about him. It says several Bible or biblical prophecy scholars, most notably Chuck Mitzler, maintain that the doom of Babylon, as described in detail in Isaiah 13 and 14, and Jeremiah 50 and 51, which is where we're at and possibly Revelation 17 and 18 must refer to a literal future destruction of the ancient city. Mitzler has written that Babylon has not yet or has yet to be completely destroyed as prophesied by Isaiah and Jeremiah. And we would agree with that. The the Persians were able to take Babylon without a fight in 539 B.C., and so there is just from that Wikipedia had that it you know it has different sections about the history and the religion and uh, even the Bible so that's where I got that at. Um, so having said that, l- let's look now at uh, Revelation. If you can hold your place there and look at our book of Revelation. <laughs> I thought it was interesting today. I think I think we could get on a plane and we could fly to modern day Babylon. And what what I heard was that there's about thirty or thirty five thousand people live there today. So it's relatively small. It's uh, located, I believe, south of Baghdad. <clears throat> and so it it is in existence today. And so. As we're going to read about uh, in Jeremiah 51 today, uh, Babylon is to be completely desolate and completely destroyed. And in Jeremiah 51, it was not. So when we get to Revelation here, and uh, under the teaching point is the references there, Revelation 16 
17 through 21. I'll, I'll read that. Uh, Revelation 16, starting with verse 17. It says, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and there fell upon uh, men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. And so there's there's a mention of Babylon it come to remembrance before God as he's pouring out uh, <clears throat> this uh, this vial. And then if you go to 18.8, it mentions something similar. Uh, 18.8, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Uh, I think, yeah, in, in verse 2 it references Babylon there. And then uh, jump down to verse 17 through 19 of Revelation 18 verse 17 for in one hour so great riches is come to naught and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning saying what city is likened to this great city and they cast dust on their heads and cried weeping and wailing saying alas alas the great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour she is made desolate. Uh, rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. <clears throat> I think that was uh, all I was going to read, but in, in verse 2 is. Uh, 18.2 And he cried mighty, mightily with a strong voice saying Babylon the great is fallen is fallen and uh, so anyway these are references to, to Babylon and I think there's kind of a, a military part as or an economic part as well as a religious part and so, anyway, there's there's some things yet to be fulfilled. That's kind of our point here about Babylon as we're in uh, Jeremiah. And we're talking about God uh, bringing His wrath and His destruction upon Babylon. Uh, but in verse... Well, let me hold that till the next second. Is there any other comments about that? Uh some of this is yet future, but I want us to be thinking as we're going along here just uh, why why God is doing this. 
we do know why God took his people captive. They, they become very idolatrous. And it, it really took their captivity, their destruction to break them of their idolatry. And, and that's, that's not unlike us today, is it? Sometimes God has to, you know, take us behind the woodshed, so to speak, before we, uh, he kind of has to break us, doesn't he? He has to bring us low. Sometimes he has to bring us to captivity, whether it be jail or other type of uh, bondage to make us uh, contemplate. I used to tell some of the inmates, uh, you know, uh, Psalm the, the 23rd Psalm is just a, a beautiful uh, psalm that we, we say at funerals, but I used it in jail just because it says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. And I used to tell the inmates, you know, when you have still water, you can see your reflection. And I said, you know, you, God's just giving you some time here to reflect and to see yourself the way things are. Yeah, Suzanne, you had a comment? Yeah, I have. A, you know him too. Every time he asks for God's help, he gets ready In jail. <laughs> he called me this week, by the way. By accident. He, I was going to say accidentally. <laughs> he, he started telling me all this stuff, and I said, you know, what's this about? He goes, this is Steve Fleischman, isn't it? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I was calling a different Steve, so it was just funny. But, uh, yeah. So it gives, gives people time to reflect, and that time of bondage is kind of God's time out. But... <clears throat> So if you were to look at uh, back here in Jeremiah 51, and um, this was kind of interesting. This is the longest chapter in Jeremiah. There's 64 verses, I think. Uh, So this is the longest chapter of Jeremiah. And so unfortunately, we're not going to read every verse today. But... uh, It uses a word here. In verse 8, it says, uh, back in Jeremiah 51.8, Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her, take balm for her pain, if so be she may be healed. <clears throat> and... Uh, You know, you know. I think it's maybe the very last verse of the Bible that says, "God says, or John says, even so, come, uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus, or something like that." And the Lord hasn't come very quickly from our perspective, has He? You know, we've waited however long we've waited, but really, from from the time of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection till today. Uh, but, but but when John prays that you know come come quickly Lord when when he comes he it, it will be quickly so it, it will be fast at the point that he comes so today we we are waiting and we're anticipating that but kind of the same thing with Babylon it says that her destruction is going to be sudden. It, uh, that's what it said in verse 8. It's suddenly fallen, but it doesn't seem very sudden to us because, gosh, we, we hear these prophecies and we think about it and we, we read it and we pray about it. and So that, that's, the, that's the first blank I had on your handout. Babylon's destruction shall be sudden. And it actually used that very same word in, in Revelation. It uses the word sudden. It's fallen sudden. 
I'll put that up there. Is that spelled right, Angie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that's a good reference that you said the last verse in Revelation because it seems so kind of earthly. Yeah. And that word quickly, like sudden, uh-huh. is pictures when God comes back and his wrath is poured out at the end, it means in quick succession. Mm-hmm. So, like to us, it's a long time, but when he releases yeah. it, it's like. That's really true. So. so, yeah, the time to prepare is now and to be ready and to get people like Glenn and my friend uh, Mary. And so, uh, yeah. Well, look with me at... Who can read 9 through 11 for us of Jeremiah 51? 9 through 11. Have built Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let us go everyone into his own country. For her judgment reaches unto the heaven and is lifted up even to the skies. The Lord has brought forth our righteousness. Come and let us declare Zion, the work of the Lord of Christ. Elijah, you? Yeah. Okay. 9, 10, and 11. Okay. Um, make right the arrows, gather the shields. The Lord has raised up the spirit of the kings of uh, me for his devices against Babylon to destroy us because it is the sins of the Lord. In, uh, it mentions this these meads in verse 11 that Brian read and I think it's again in, in verse 28 if you skip down to verse 28 prepare against her the nations with the kings of the meads uh, <clears throat> does everybody see that? Well, go now to uh, go to Isaiah forty-five. <laughs> Jim knows. Jim knows what. Yep. In fact, I'll let you read that, Jim, if you would. In in Isaiah forty-five, I think it's verse one. Okay. Everybody gets there. This is this is cool. Yeah. This is about a hundred years or so before. Yeah. Yeah. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue the nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Yeah, and so Jim, what Jim is saying here, this is before Cyrus was born, before he was the king of the Medes, and uh, the thing I read said it was about 150 years before. And so this is just so cool that this king of the Medes named Cyrus, <clears throat> uh, he was king for about 20 years. And you've probably heard of the Medes and the Persians. And these these are the group that conquers Babylon. And so, uh, Sarah, this is the destroying wind. These Medes come in from the north, the Medes and the Persians under Cyrus, and they conquer the Babylons, the Babylonians. <clears throat> and so that is what we read here in Jeremiah, uh, verses 9 through 11 that Brian read. Uh, these Medes. Um, <clears throat> and I'm hoping in two weeks... Uh, I'm going to do kind of a conclusion to this, but 
we're going to talk about kind of the, the statue that uh, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about. He had the head of gold was was Babylon. In fact, it was specifically Nebuchadnezzar was that head. But then it had the chest was the Medes and the Persians. And I just think it's interesting, you know, we have you know two arms. We have the Medes and the Persians was kind of represented the the next part of that statue. And so we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Nebuchadnezzar's dream because it lays out these nations, these Gentile nations that follow in succession. So anyway, uh, Cyrus here was prophesied 100 year, 150 years before. Uh, that's your blank. <clears throat> and then... Uh, somebody read verse 15 and 16 because Jeremiah goes into this discussion of just how powerful God is. So let's go back to Jeremiah 51 and if somebody can read verses 15 and 16 for us. I'm going to sign people. Emmett, you got it? Alright, do it. Read it. He obeyed the earth by his power, he hath established the world by his wisdom, and stretched out the heaven by his understanding. When he uttered his voice, there is multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightning and rain, and bringeth Yeah, I'm just I lost bring forth the wind out of his treasures. Yeah, so I just I like that and he he utters his voice and it just shows us how powerful God is and how he can make these things happen in nature. And so that that's what I had your teaching point there is just there's power in God's word that the things God says brings these things to pass and he you know founded the earth by his power and he established the world and he stretched out the heaven by his understanding he utters his voice and there's a multitude of waters in the heavens and anyway these are just uh, not only beautiful they're they're powerful they're true and so <clears throat> I feel like when we think about our problems and the things we struggle with, God, His Word has an answer for us too, doesn't He? And He can cleanse and He can heal and He can bring people into our lives to bless us and He can uh, prosper and He can, uh, anyway, He can recover us from, from our struggles. So if He can do these things in nature, it seems much smaller that He can help us. So, anyway, I just think those are powerful. I wanted to bring those out, things about His his Word. And uh, I got the chance to tell that to a young lady on Friday night. Uh, Pat and I were talking with some guests we had, and this lady's just telling how angry she is at God. And, and uh, I just kind of said at the end, you know, the thing we haven't really discussed is, you know, Pat and I are not the standard you know, God's Word is the standard. We, we would like to, you know, talk to you more about God's Word. And so hopefully we'll have opportunity to do that with this young lady. And she uh, just has the question many of us have is, why? You know, why God? Why did she's estranged from her son and she was homeless and 
uh, just kind of laying out her problems and why would God allow that? Well, you know, God used her mom to go rescue her and bring her to our group, and so we're uh, hoping God will, you know, get, uh, allow her the opportunity to accept Christ. So. Anyway, let's let's go on to this next section, uh, verses uh, twenty through thirty-three. And I'd like for uh, Pam, would you, uh, Pam Anderson, just read uh, verse twenty-six for us? I've got a cross-reference from uh, Peter Ruckman. I thought we would read fifty-one twenty-six. But thou shalt be desolate forever, the Lord. Yeah, so this stone or this cornerstone and the foundation stone uh, on your handout there, uh, Peter Ruckman said this is a reference to the Antichrist who is replaced by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and there's a few references there. And so I thought that, thought that was a good insight when, when we really believe that every word of God is pure and we start looking at the, you know, in the context, it's talking about the desolation of, of, of Babylon and yet uh, this word stone, as you cross-reference it, you can find that uh, Christ is that cornerstone. And I thought in verse, I think it's verse 33 here. Yeah. Uh, Kaylee, do you have verse 33? It's good to see you, by the way. Uh, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon, is like a threshing floor. It is time to thresh her yet a little while in the time of her harvest shop. Yeah, so we, we were noticing on the way here, uh, and Emmett, I don't know if you've planted anything in your field yet, have you or not? Oh, have you? The no-till? And uh, so, yeah, I, I know some of the farmers along 71 have have tilled their soil and there's some fields planted and so it's time of you know springtime here but God is referencing this destruction of, of Babylon to a threshing floor and it's a time of harvest and we, we didn't never do that type of harvesting but I I think you just kind of have a hard surface and you can cast grains of wheat in the air and the, the wind will kind of sift the the chaff out, right? And you're left with the seed. Isn't that kind of what happens on the threshing floor? Or do you know? Yeah. I, yeah. They used, to, they used to have, like, I remember one of our field, it was like a pull-behind type of thresher. And, you know, some county fairs would have the threshing days and you'd see things like that. But... Uh, Anyway, it's it's a way of getting the grain out of the 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 shuck of corn or the husk and and uh, get the chaff out of the the wheat. And so anyway, it it, it kind of represents a beating. There, you know, Babylon is going to take a beating. You have to really work work it. So anyway, that that's what I had. Kind of your teaching point is the word uh, harvest. They're, they're reaping. They're reaping what they've sown. Just the word harvest was your last blank on the front page, because she is reaping what she she has sown. 
And th- this might be a good time to bring this up. I don't know if you really thought about why God is punishing Babylon because it seems like Babylon did what God told her to. God actually calls Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon his servant because he instructed, or he allowed... Uh, what do you think? Why do you think God is punishing Babylon? I'll just lay that out there. And, and that that's one of the key things I, I think. I don't know if he told them actually to destroy the temple, but they did and stole all the vessels. And So I do think that's part of it. What, what else are you thinking? Nebuchadnezzar knew who God was. You know, after he yeah. made him out in the field like an animal. Uh-huh. That's a while. I thought of that this week because I really think he repented. Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, the thing I thought of this week, I thought, am I going to get to see Nebuchadnezzar? Exactly. Because, I mean, chapter 4 and That's, Daniel is one of the greatest praises of the Lord. Written yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he definitely saw the that's a little bit fearful to me. Just I'm gonna rub shoulders with Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so some of the destruction, and and I don't know exactly why he allowed, but I do think maybe they went too far in their destruction of Jerusalem and. The killing and the starving and and all the things they did to God's people, but but one thing I heard or read is just you wonder if God kind of wanted the Babylonians to see how God desired to be worshipped and how true faith in Jehovah God should be, and they didn't. They they just went in and destroyed and they went back to their idolatry you know what I mean I think they got a glimpse of what God desired and they rejected that and so that that's maybe why maybe why God allowed them to be utterly destroyed because they went back to their false gods and their imagery and they were right there they were in Jerusalem they saw what true worship should be yeah, and as a nation, I mean, they, like you say, they were steeped in Baal worship, and and they still have because Babylon was known for their libraries and all their greatness, uh-huh. the seven wonders of the world. And so we have the layout of their city, and whenever you look at Babylon, there's like temples on every corner to every god you can imagine. Wow, they were extremely, you know, pagan. Hmm. So I could see that. And some of those ruins are still there. Yeah, some of them are, and and. You know, Saddam Hussein thought he was Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated. Mm-hmm. He was the, the next Nebuchadnezzar, so that's why he wanted to rebuild Babylon. Hmm. Right. He even minted those coins. Right. He had coins minted with yeah. him on one side, Nebuchadnezzar on the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, quite the history. Well, Pat, you had a comment too, brother. Yeah, I, I think the um, the flip side of that um, also is true for us in application. Because that's all a picture for us, and it refers back to what you were talking about. 
you know, God uses the world system in our lives when, when we're not worshiping God and yeah. looking at Him right. I mean, God use things like the you know, jail or the mm-hmm. judicial system mm-hmm. like that to to get us back to a place that He can, like you said, reflect on the still waters. Mm-hmm. We can come back to God. And, you know, and, and it's like... Brian and I were talking, you know, a lot of people have jailhouse conversions, mm. so they go right back, just like mm. just like Israel did. Mm. But it does give a glimpse of how he yeah. wants to be worshipped. Yeah. He'll use those yeah. things. That's good. Yep. Good comment. Yeah, Sarah? You know, when I was in college eight, eight billion years ago, um, in Western Civilizations class, we took... They went back to all through all of this, right? And they had Nebuchadnezzar and stuff in there, but none uh, of this. I just thought I would reflect on that. Uh-huh. Talking about education doesn't yeah. reflect Christianity a lot of times. Yeah. None of it was they ever connected. It was just very secular. Uh-huh. This is yes. facts. Yada, 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 yada. But none of it ever connected. Yeah. Yeah, I, wish I was just thinking about that. Well, it's so very boring thought, without God in it. I thought I'd share that. Yeah. But, I didn't really well in the class, but now that I'm reflecting, I'm like, well, that wasn't even all yeah. the history. Yeah. So it was kind of... Yeah. Good, good thoughts. Let's, let's go back to uh, chapter uh, 51 again here. Uh, and let's see. Pam Jackson, would you read verse 34 and 35? <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, hath devoured me. He hath crushed me. He hath made me an evil, empty vessel. He hath swallowed me up like a dragon. He hath filled his belly with my uh, delegates. He hath cast me out. The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon. Shall the inhabitant of Zion say, In my blood upon the inhabitants of Chaldea shall Jerusalem say. Yeah, uh, I gave you a note there. I thought it was just the wording of that was very interesting. That it, it talks about uh, this Nebuchadnezzar devoured me, and he hath crushed me, and he has made me an empty vessel, and he swallowed me, and you uh, mentioned the word my in the next verse. Um, do, do you know most? This may be kind of insignificant. Uh, most versions, other versions, say the word "us" instead of "me," and so "us" is what I had you put in your blank there. <clears throat> but at the end of verse 35 that Pam read, it's, it says, "Shall Jerusalem say so?" Uh, Jerusalem is kind of personified. And the inhabitants of it are kind of unified in saying that Babylon has done this to me. And so maybe it's not a big deal, but other versions other than the King James say the word us. But our translators use the word me there just to personify the people and the city. And 
I put another note in there from Ruckman for you. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, it says, is a type of the Antichrist in verse 34. The Antichrist is the seed of the serpent. And that's uh, from a couple references there. And the serpent is identified as a dragon in Isaiah 27 and Revelation 12. And so the devouring in this verse is literal in the case of the Antichrist where he uh, devours his own. Um, Anyway, those are just some comments from a study Bible that that I looked at. And then... uh, I guess my teaching point here was was the discussion about why God judges Babylon. I couldn't remember where I put that at. Uh, I think we kind of answered that, and I think a week or two we we mentioned that, like Emmett said, that uh, they destroyed his temple. And let's all let's all turn to Daniel now. Let's hold our place here. I think this will be good to read this we're going to actually read about the destruction of Babylon right now from Daniel chapter 5 so it's a couple books to our right Lamentations Ezekiel Daniel chapter 5 and so this is a few years later uh, 70 some years later probably and Daniel 5, I'm going to read these first nine verses for us and make some comments. And I believe this Belshazzar, I think that's Nebuchadnezzar's son. Uh, oh, it says his uh, father Nebuchadnezzar, so yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Two, it tells you okay. Yeah. Alright. Well, let's read it. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. So this kind of goes with what you were saying, Emmett, that they destroyed the temple and they stole a lot of vessels out of it. And here, 70 years later, they're drinking out of these gold and silver vessels. that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and the, his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, and of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote against one another or against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in the king's 
came in, the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonied. And I'll, I'll stop there, but they go on to bring in uh, Daniel. And this is how Daniel becomes third in the kingdom. Daniel was a Jewish man that was brought with the first deportation of Nebuchadnezzar. And so now jump down to verse 22. In verse 22, it says, And thou his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and those are all thy ways hast thou not glorified when or then was the part of the hand sent from him and his, this writing was written and this is the writing that was written meany meany tekel uparsin this is the interpretation of the thing meany god has numbered thy kingdom and finished it tekel Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given, here it is, to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, and put a chain of gold about his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third in the kingdom. And it says, In that night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, the king of was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being three score and two years old. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> that is just a great story, isn't it? <clears throat> and so all that happens in one night. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll probably draw this a little bit uh, wrong. I haven't looked at it a lot, but if we picture. The kingdom of Babylon was a great city and uh, part of the Euphrates River flowed through the Euphrates River flowed through these walls of the city <clears throat> and I think I, I'm trying to see do you see on your handout uh, Roman numeral 5 uh, your blank there is the word drunk. These uh, the people of Babylon were drunk, but letter E there says the Babylon's walls and gates. This uh, historical writer named Herodotus he says that the walls of Babylon were 50 cubits thick and 200 cubits high. And each side of Babylon had 25 brazen gates. So if you picture this wall being 50 cubits wide, your cubit was like your elbow to your fingertip. So at least 75 feet wide. 
and 200 cubits, so it'd be like 300 feet tall. I mean, that's like the football yeah, a football field exactly that up on its and uh, you know it was just like impregnable. But all that all that the Medes did was they were able to go upstream and they either dammed up the water but they had the river flow around and they were able to walk under the wall and and go in and conquer Belshazzar without even a fight wouldn't that be wild the 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 greatest kingdom on planet earth and it gets destroyed in one night it wasn't even a fight and just from one day to the next it's like now we're under media Persian rule and Babylon's gone you know Nebuchadnezzar who <laughs> yeah. so it's just quite a wild thing isn't it and it, it did happen sudden you know historically and, and we believe it will happen again uh, like uh, brother Chuck Missler says so uh Thoughts here about uh, Daniel five or or, uh, or Jeremiah or Babylon? What do you what do you think in there? What came to my mind is I wonder uh, how you know, like in the United States, our armies are be, we used to be the strongest, and now we're not so much. We're weakening. Mm-hmm. How easy would it be? For mm. You know, at some point, yeah, just overnight, just be overtaken, yeah, and it's done. And yeah, this coronavirus—how quickly that kind of took over the whole world. It was just very quickly, and and almost as quickly, it kind of gone, so to speak. I mean, I know yeah. for like two years, I had to wear a mask at work, and one day, well, now you don't have to. Yeah, Suzanne. Have to. Do you? Yeah, medical field can't take them off. Hmm. It's very uncomfortable, isn't it? I, I got used to carbon Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so let let's look at uh, back in Dan or back in Jeremiah fifty one. And here, okay, Jeremiah 51, verse 52, talks about the days come. Wherefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will do judgment upon her graven images, excuse me, and through all her land the wounded shall groan. And, excuse me, uh, I think... The days that are coming are is a reference to those days. These are kind of a second coming, uh, second coming phrase there. And in verse fifty three, it says, "Though Babylon should mount up to heaven," and I, I thought that was kind of a reference almost to the Tower of Babel uh, mounting up to heaven. Though you're trying to mount up to heaven. And though she should uh, fortify the height of her strength, yet from me sh- shall spoilers come unto her, saith the Lord. And so that was uh, Darius the Mede that was able to uh, go in and capture Babylon. Uh, 
And then in 57, it's where they... It, uh, verse 57, And I will make drunk her princes. Do you see that? We just read that in Daniel, didn't we? They were drunk, and it even mentions that they were princes there. So I love this when the Bible connects with itself perfectly. And I will make drunk her princes and her wise men, her captains and her rulers and her mighty men, and they shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, saith the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> so uh, I put the, my teaching point there, just Darius the Mede conquered Babylon without a shot being fired. Of course, they didn't have guns, but you get my point. They, there wasn't really a fight. All right, so this last section, and so this last section is really cool. So if you haven't paid attention before now, pay attention. This is really cool. Verse 59, uh, who wants to read? Pat, would you read? Uh, well, just read 59. 59. The word which Jeremiah the prophet commanded Sarai and the son of Neri, the son of Messiah, when he went to when he went with Zedekiah the king of Judah into Babylon in the fourth year of his reign, and this Sarai was a quiet prince. Yeah. So this Sarai, do you see uh, Pat read there? He's the son of this. Let's see. Let me put this in a different color. How do you spell that, Angie? Son of who? This N E something. Um. N-E-R-I-A-H. Yeah. Neriah. Neriah. Now, now look back in Jeremiah at verse uh, chapter 32. Jeremiah 32. We'll kind of see who this guy is. He comes from a good, good family, a good godly family. Jeremiah 32. And uh, Angie, would you read 32.16? Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying... Yeah, so this Baruch was also the son of Neriah. How do you spell Baruch? B-U? Um, B-A-R-U-C-H. So him and this uh, the Sarai, they they were they were brothers. It seems they both had the same dad here, this Neriai. And so I think uh, Baruch may have already been in Babylon. But so Jeremiah, this is kind of like his last. Your little boy's looking at me. <laughs> is it Noah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just stared at me. Um, Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jeremiah, this is like his final writing, the destruction of Babylon, and he gives it to Sarai. And uh, when Sarai uh, gets taken to captivity, he's supposed to read this, and he, he's supposed to read it to the captives. This would be good news if, if you and I were captive in a foreign land, and we hear that uh, God is going to destroy the people that conquered us, our captors, we were going to be made free. This would be really good news, uh, wouldn't it, uh, for him to 
here, you know, if, if you know, God forbid, Russia took over the USA, it'd be good if we could all hear, you know, God's going to uh, destroy uh, Russia suddenly and deliver us from captivity. And uh, anyway, I just thought it was neat that, but uh, you know, the the Bible doesn't really record for us. If, if the people really hurt him, I mean, you don't know if if he's just reading this on the street corner and everybody's just passing by and nobody's listening to him. Maybe. Because at the end of it, he's he's supposed to... Uh, we're going to read this. At, at the end of it, he's going to... The Syriae is told to, you know, wrap up this document and w- attach a rock to it and throw it in the Euphrates River. And uh, it's going to picture that uh, Babylon will never rise again after this destruction. So, it, it, uh, it's it's a, it was a sign. The, the Jews require a sign. The Bible says, and so uh, look look back to Jeremiah fifty one with this, and let's see. Hmm. I'm looking for a word here. Is the word captivity in these last few verses? Maybe that's, maybe that's just what I put. That was your next to the last blank is just the word captivity. But that, that was his audience. Um, uh, Jim, would, would you, or Angie, you already read, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Suzanne. You haven't read, have you, Suzanne? Read verse uh, 60 and 61 for us. And Jeremiah said unto Syria... Syria. No, uh, verse 60 and 61, I'm sorry. Uh, 50. So chapter 51, verse 60 and 61. Oh yeah, okay. Jeremiah 51, verse 60. And that's what I was on. Okay. Oh, 60, 60 and 61. Yeah. So Jeremiah wrote into the book of all evil that shall be come upon Babylon, even all those words that are written against Babylon. And Jeremiah said unto Syria, When thou cast, comest to Babylon, and shalt see, and shall read these words, then shall saith the Lord, Thou hast spoken against this place, to cut it off, not in that, that none shall remain in it, neither man nor beast, that shall be the destruction of ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what forever. Yeah. All right. Well, hold up there. Uh, so yeah. So when Sarai gets to Babylon, when you see it, then start reading all these words. So he's prophesying against Babylon as he gets there. His uh, his audience should be the people in captivity, and uh, that's just good news. It, there's not going to remain man or beast here. It'll be desolate forever. And so that hasn't exactly happened uh, yet. <clears throat> but that that would be encouraging for them to hear <clears throat> from this uh, messenger of the Lord. And, and now these last two verses, he's going to give him a sign. And so uh, how about Brian, once you finish this up here, verse 63 and 64. And it shall be when thou hast made an end of reading this book. But thou shalt, but thou shalt uh, 
bind a stone to it and cast it into the midst of, you, of, the, of Euphrates. And thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sing, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and thou shalt be weary. Thus for are the words of Jeremiah. Yeah, so this is kind of his magnum opus here. He, he, this is his great writing. And uh, Sarai, we believe, uh, delivered that message. And that was, that was uh, my last blank is the word messenger. And I think that's what I wanted to leave us with today is just, you know, you and I are to be messengers and whether people listen or not and 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 that's the hard I mean it, it's enjoyable for me to come here and to teach you uh, things that I've learned from the Bible and hopefully it's uh, edifying and builds up you and your faith but uh, we, we don't really know about Sarai's audience but uh, I'm, I'm glad God had his messenger royal that led me to the Lord he he was a, a bold witness in my workplace, and uh, we. Uh, <clears throat> do, you, do you know that's what the word angel means? Is messenger? A- angel is a mess means messenger, and uh, if you look at the word, uh, well, let's just look at this word. Uh, when you think of evangelism. The, the, the word angel is in evangelism. As, as we are trying to evangelize people, we, we are messengers on God's behalf. And, you know, uh, Jim has taught us before just how only about a tenth of the people ever return from Babylon. Yeah. And you just wonder, you know, if they all got this same message that God's going to destroy Babylon, you know, you're God's people, you belong in the promised land. Uh, most of them didn't go back. And so, you, um, uh, when I was out of town last weekend, I went to church with my dad, and it, it was, uh, it was, the, the preacher spoke about the woman at the well, and I know that's a favorite passage of Pat's, and and uh, his and, and I think how many of you ever hunted for mushrooms? Most of us. I don't know if I have or not. I've kind of looked myself, but nobody's ever really taken me mushroom hunting. But that's how this preacher started his message, and his comment was, he said, "I wish somebody would take me mushroom hunting because I need someone to guide me to show me where they're at." You know where to look. He he said, "I feel like I just pass by, and people would say, well, look here, and and it's right here. This is what it.' And he he's like that with evangelism. Like we need to show, you know, people drive by Interstate 49 all day, every day, and there's a church right here with the answer. But somehow we have to show them and guide them and direct them, and you know, introduce people to you know the Word of God, right?" And so it was just kind of a good message for me to hear this 
this old country preacher. He's just like, I don't ever find mushrooms. We we see pictures on Facebook, but I guess I just need somebody to show me. And it's the same thing with this woman at the well. She was looking for something she didn't know exactly where it was. And it took the Lord Jesus Christ to give her that everlasting water. And and uh, I'll just... One thing I learned from him, you know, Jesus offered her living water and and the preacher asked, "Do you know what a living well is?" And I really didn't know. You know, we had well that was kind of a, a cistern at our old house, but he said a living well is one that replenishes itself, like it's a spring. Like as you dip water out, there's still water there. You, you don't ever use it's living. It, it ref, I thought that is good because if we drink of Jesus Christ, we never have to thirst again. It he replenishes and what we use up from him is replenished uh, supernaturally. So anyway, I will close up there. Uh, Is it Marla? Thank you for joining us. Uh, Hope you feel welcome and we'll come back and uh, make sure you guys greet her on the way out. But let's uh, close in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, and uh, just thank you for Marla coming our way today. Pray your blessing on her life and pray that this message touched all of us in in a way that... uh, made us better than before we came in here. And Father, uh, bless the people listening on online as they're maybe not able to get out and come here this morning. Thank you for this uh, technology that can be uh, reach others just through uh, technology. So Lord, uh, thank you for this illustration of, of Babylon, the destruction of uh, the people of God's enemies, and maybe it represents just you're able to destroy uh, those that oppose uh, God's people even today. So uh, help anybody that's maybe struggling with uh, temptation or a particular enemy. I pray you'll maybe remove those obstacles. And Lord, help all of us to uh, know you better, to love you more, to serve you better, and just be a good messenger as Sarai. He was just this... I think it said he was a quiet prince or he was just a a quiet, uh, maybe just looked like everybody else and yet he had this tremendous message that he took. So uh, thank you for this time together. Bring us back again uh, next Sunday uh, at the point of time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to shut this off. Thank you for joining us online.